1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Hey, right now, though, we're going to get into a conversation with David Williams, and you have heard him before. God is working in his life and ministry as he shares his passion for life at all stages. And today we're going to be talking about personal revival and even for times when you're not recognizing it in your own life. So good morning to you, David. Good morning, Tavi. Good morning, Tom. Hey, good morning, David. And truly, we wanted to have you kind of walk us through this because there are winds of revival kind of blowing through our country right now. Kind of started at Asbury University in Kentucky, what was happening in that tiny little town after a lackluster message and so-so worship. Then all of a sudden, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened and uh, people are truly uh, repenting of sin and then reading scripture and worshiping the Lord. Their lives are being transformed. It's bouncing from campus to campus about at least 20 other campuses are experiencing that but for some people they just might not be so kind of walk us through maybe the precursors of revival as we begin our conversation today yeah i think it's uh it's amazing to hear the stories of what god is doing and and how he's moving upon young people and it's you know it's spreading that you know i've been so blown away and amazed by that and yet in the midst of it, if I can be transparent and honest, I have probably felt like, God, what about me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, in it and um, maybe not feeling like I'm being revived. But I think as we think of, you know, revival, like, you know, why is revival necessary? And I think, you know, God's people, we need to be revived because, you know, we live in the midst of a world and a culture that's become so dark and so depraved. And, and often as the church, we uh, it's almost like the frog in the pot. You know, uh, mm-hmm. as things are becoming corrupt and the heat is turned up, we don't even recognize it. And we can be kind of conformed to the things of the world rather than living for God. And and so there needs to be a revival among the people of God because we begin to maybe mix the ideas and ways of the world with the, the Word of God. Or we begin to look to other things rather than God to bring uh, into to being or, or to pass the things that only God can bring to pass. And so... So there's there's often uh, you know it's often needed among us for for God to bring revival to us because we uh, we are people that are called to be distinct and live for Him and to make a difference for Him and to shine bright His light and oftentimes that gets uh, even distorted for us so it's needed and Tom what, what you said you know um, a, a message that was preached but it led to uh, uh, kind of repentance and confession and, and that's the thing that that we have to recognize 
those things that are contrary to God. And, and I think revival um, is preceded by hearts that have a godly sorrow over those things in our life that are contrary to God, that, you know, the things that, that grieve his spirit actually begin to grieve us. The mm-hmm. things that God hates, that we begin to hate those things, the things that God loves, that we really sincerely love those things. And so, mm-hmm. so I think there has to be an acknowledgement for us of, of where we are. And, and I think sometimes for, for some of us, because we've walked with the Lord so much and oh, we, we know, we know the word of God, we know what it says and, and we're quick to be able to give answers. And it's, you know, I think we, we, we're so used to like Bible studies, we can give answers to the questions that are asked. But what God wants is for the Word of God to be impacting our life, the Word of God to be informing us daily more and more into the image of Christ. And and often that may not be happening. Our head knowledge may be far above our heart knowledge. And so even though we have the right answers, you know, we're we're not living in that vein. And so what comes before revival is is repentance. It's it's an acknowledgement of where we really are with God and allowing God to do a deep inventory in our heart, almost the prayer that David gave in Psalm 139, Mm -hmm. for the Lord to search our hearts and to prove us, to check our thoughts, to try us, to see if there be any wicked way in us, lead us in the everlasting way. And we often can't see those things, but the Spirit of God, if we want to, you know, He knows it, and He can show it to us. And so it starts by going to Him, asking God to show it, then agreeing with God, with what God says about what He shows us, mm-hmm. and confessing it, and then repenting, not wanting to stay in that place, but allowing the Word of God to renew our mind, that, that where our thoughts were contrary to God, that we don't allow those contrary thoughts or concepts to keep running you know, wild in our mind, but we actually take, take them captive. We actually cause those thoughts to be pulled down that were actually... Um, exalting themselves above what God says, that we need to let God do a work and Him to bring uh, demolition to things in our life that have begun to be built up that are contrary to what He says. So it's a it's a process. It's a it's almost like the um, the sacrifices that that um, when David was praying to God in Psalm fifty one, he says a contrite spirit and uh, you know, a broken heart are sacrifices you won't despise. Yeah. And so it's like God is near the brokenhearted. And, and yeah, God wants our heart to be broken over the sin of the world, but he first wants our hearts to be broken over the sin of our own life and to long for God to bring cleansing and Absolutely. renewal um, to us as we repent. We're in a conversation right now with our good friend David Williams. We're taking a look at revival, what's been breaking out around the world, and then maybe asking that question, what about me, Lord? Uh, is that revival going to happen in me? And David, you're kind of walking us through this just step by step by step. So if somebody's finding themselves questioning whether or not that revival has kind of passed them by, or or maybe they have experienced it but don't really recognize it, kind of walk us through what revival could look like individually. Yeah. You know, for, for some people that are listening, they, they may not be experiencing it. And, you know, oftentimes I think when people think of revival, we can think of the revival meeting, you know, and, and just a, a meeting, a coming together and experience. But revival is more than just an experience. So it's actually, as you talked about before, it's, it's, it's not a feeling, an experience, an event that's happening. It's actually us encountering the presence of God uh, as he is cleansing us from sin. So if a person, you know, if a believer thinks that, you know, 
uh, I'm okay. Um, there's really no changes that's needed in my life. You know, I'm walking fine with God. If there's this sense of kind of pride uh, in us, then we may not be experiencing, you know, revival. I think revival comes to the repentant of heart, and it does have the elements of us walking uh, in accordance with the Word of God, um, prayer, uh, repentance, um, and just, I think, for the believer, a constant evaluation of, of where I am and recognizing that, you know, I, I, I never arrive until Jesus comes and returns for me, that I'm like that, you know, chicken cooking in the oven. And uh, it's not until, until that timer is up, it's still cooking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when, when it's done and when Jesus comes back and he opens it up, then he says, well done. But until then, I'm still in process. And I think the humble believer of heart recognizes that no, no matter how much I know, no matter how much I've done, no matter how much I've experienced, like I haven't arrived yet. I, I'm not fully everything that God has redeemed for me to be, that there are always things that need to be brought to him. And so so if we're not, if we're living in that place as if we arrived and, and, and I'm good and it could also often cause us to look at those that it is happening to um, as if, you know, it, it's just an emotional thing where God may very really be moving in their midst because they are repenting of their sin. They are seeking his face. They are longing for his presence in a greater measure to be manifested on their life. Yeah. So some people may not be experiencing it, but we may have some people that are and they just don't recognize it. And God, God used them. Um, and you all may know the story. I'm, you know the story of Elijah and Elijah, First Kings 18 and 19. And God used that story to really minister to me. Mm. So, so, you know, the nation is, uh, um, they're not worshiping God. They're worshiping false gods. Elijah shows up. He's on a mountain. And he, um, God shows up by fire. And he shows the people that he's God. And it's not Baal. And it's not these false gods. And God shows up in a mighty way. But right afterwards, Elijah gets this word that Jezebel wants to kill him. And he flees. And Elijah now is on this quest thinking like I am the only one. And he finally gets the, you know, he gets the, to Mount Hermon. He's there. And when he's there, he sees this earthquake and it says God wasn't in the earthquake. Mm-hmm. Wind passes by. And God wasn't in the wind. There's a fire and God wasn't in the fire. But finally he steps out and there's this still small whisper. And for some of us, because we don't see it like, you know, it's not like what we're hearing about at Asbury or other places. God may very well be doing a real work in us. And, and instead of Elijah, who was saying, like, I'm the only one who's living for the Lord, we may be thinking I'm the only one who God isn't pouring his spirit out in this season. But if you are a person who is pursuing the Lord and you're seeking his word and you're longing to live for him and you're, you're making it a, a, a daily thing to confess and to repent of sin, God could very well be moving, and he's moving in a way that you might not perceive it, but it's God. God doesn't fit into a box, and revival doesn't look the same everywhere. And so God could be moving in that still, quiet way in your heart. And uh, for some people, as you may be more spiritually mature, you might not need you know, the, that, that great expressive outpouring uh, and, and jubilation among people to see that, yeah. that God wants you to know by faith that he is with you. 
and he is moving and he is doing the work. So mm. there could be people that are listening today that very well God is doing that work of revival and renewing and refreshing your heart. Sometimes it's hard to don't see feel it. it or see it. Yep. Yeah, I, I want to speak to that. Thank you so much, David. And we're talking with David Williams about revival and about those times when you are looking at other people thinking, how come God doesn't move in my life in that way as you're talking? But sometimes he is. But David, what about those times when you are, it's been a long time of not feeling God's presence. I've been in this in my life. It, there were uh, There was a period in which I struggled through a depression and it was probably a good two years of not feeling God's presence. And it was extremely painful and confusing, and very few people knew what to say to help me through that. And I praise God he's brought me through, and I'm still, like you said, working through it. But I even heard about Mother Teresa struggling with something like that, where she went through this for years. And this is Mother Teresa um, laying her life out before God, but not feeling his presence and the joy of that. What what is happening when a person struggles to feel that and it goes on and on and they are not sensing or seeing that type of revival of God's presence with them? Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question, Tabby. Um, you know, I, I think at times like that, we have to hold on to what we know is true. Mm. You know, we really have to hold on to the word of God. We have to hold on to those verses where God tells us that he will never leave us. You know, he will never forsake us. We have to hold on to the promise of Jesus who said, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. And that's all. And and in the midst of it, you know, I think a lot of the Psalms and the laments are them crying out like, God, how long, you know, how long have you forgotten about us? And, and remembering that, you know, we're not the only one that, that has experienced this. Um, And in some regards, it may be us experiencing the, the presence of God, but it doesn't, feel like it in a way it's uh it's us you know i think of what paul says when he says his greatest desire in the world was to know christ and then he goes on he says i want to know him in the power of his resurrection mm-hmm. i want to see that powerful move of god in the manifestations of his power in my life and i think it's often during sufferings when god may be closer to us than at other times that you know in the psalm 34 it says god is near the brokenhearted like those may be the times that god is nearer we may not perceive it but it doesn't negate the fact that he is there and um, and to keep coming to him. I think, you know, God is big enough when we feel that way, we can bring those feelings. We can bring those thoughts to us. And God is the one in the midst of it. He was the one, Tabby, who was sustaining you those two years, because without that, you would have given up and quit and said, you know what, I can't do this. But it was the fact that even though your hand might have been slipping off of him, mm-hmm. his hand never slipped off of you. You know, he never mm-hmm. let you go. He had you right there. There was nothing that would ever separate you. And it's the same for anyone who's listening today, that there's nothing that'll separate you from his love. He's not taking his hand off of you. The work he's begun in you, he will complete on the day of Christ Jesus. He hasn't left you and, and trust him that even when you can't trace his hand, that you can trust his heart. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that we can do looking at that is looking back at that cross. When I think that, you know, where are you, God? You don't love me. You know, it says God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if he loved me when I was his enemy, you know, how much more does he love me that I've been reconciled to him and I'm his friend? 